All right, welcome back in. Damn podcast, Brandon Sprague, 1080 The Fan, Angie Machado, BeaverBlitz.com with all the latest on Oregon State and Oregon State recruiting. And we're coming into the Washington State game, a 745 kick at Research Stadium on Saturday, a late one, and the weather might not be very pretty, uh, but Oregon State looking to get their second conference win this weekend. How was, uh, how's the week been for you, Angie? It's been busy. It's crazy. I, this week's flying. I, I couldn't even believe it's Thursday, but I, it's all good. I, I think the, the general sentiment in the Logic Beaver Blitz and on Twitter and uh, Facebook on our social media networks has just all been positive. I mean, yes, the Beavers lost, but um, there's optimism and the fight I think people can really appreciate. You know, if you would have told me at the half of a 31 to nothing ball game in which Oregon State's losing that people were going to walk away like clapping slash really impressed – I would have called you a moron, but that's really what happened. Oregon State oh. came out in the second half. They outscored them 17 to 10. Their defense held it down a little bit, and they established a little bit of a ground game. McMarion got it going slightly. They just, they, they looked like they were, I liked that they weren't quitting. And, and I know that's kind of been the biggest narrative around this program, but it really rang true, I thought, against a really, really stout Washington team. Yeah, and, and a lot of comments I saw, too, is you're starting to see this team take the personality of its head coach. Mm-hmm. And you can totally see that. You see that toughness to them. Yeah, I think, isn't that a good point, though, of when you talk to Gary Anderson, when you hear Gary Anderson, when you watch him coach, you just get a no BS, I'm a tough guy, you're either going to get through this and fight, or you're going to lay down and be a quitter the rest of your life type vibe. Oh, completely. And I completely agree with people saying that, like, this team is kind of taking the 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 role of what of who their coach really is. They're taking the identity of Gary Anderson. Uh, completely. And and we saw that, too, um, the week before. And there was kind of a late hit at the very end of the game against Victor Bolden. Yeah, against Utah. That? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Utah. And um, it brought me back to when, they, when the Beavers played Washington State several, several years ago and Quiz got thrown out of bounds late and nobody even, none of his teammates came to his rescue. Just, mm-hmm. They kind of just, whatever. Um, you know, this is the last play of the game. Victor gets kind of thrown down hard and Sean Harlow was seriously right there like with his arms around Victor, like protecting him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing that stuck out that you bring up the name Sean Harlow. Uh, I really feel since he's gotten back from his injury, and, and look, I think that's still a surprise for a lot of people. I remember we talked about this weeks ago. He was supposed to redshirt, but their offensive line got so banged up that I think they just looked at him and said, you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll let you come back on and, and you can come out here. Uh, it was actually Sean that came to the coaches. Oh, we'll see. Said, yeah. I mean, yeah, Sean came back and said, hey, I can help. I'm, yeah. I'm okay. And let's do this. I'd rather not wait. I'd rather get in there yeah. right now while I'm licking my chops. I, I got to say this. It hasn't resonated with with points necessarily. I've been really impressed with the offensive line play, though, the last couple of weeks. Well, how about Tim Cook? I, th- I thought he ran really, really strong. Yeah, you I, know, with that O line opening up some, you know, not that they opened up huge holes for him against mm-hmm. Washington's defensive line, but I thought he ran really strong for for what uh, Washington is. And this is his last year, correct? Yes. Okay, that's right. Uh, so you know, the thing that I like too is not only that Tim Cook was able to go in there. Uh, and still establish kind of that toughness that we've seen from Pierce a couple times this year, mm-hmm. what we're familiar with from Ryan Nall. Um, but I think you just feel comfortable for the first time in a long time of that position. It, there's other areas that you could point at and say a big weakness, big area of concern. It's not the running back position because now we know Tim Cook has that ability 
to go in there and go get 100 yards on the ground. And if it's not him, let's say it's Art Pierce coming in. Art Pierce is a freshman. I already feel like Art Pierce is going to end up just being one of the best players uh, in the early Gary's, Gary Anderson era. And, of course, we know about Ryan Nall. He, he needs to stay a little healthy. But you just feel comfortable with that position group as well. Completely, completely. And, and I think it's, it's worth noting, I think there was a lot of people kind of wringing their hands with Marcus McMarion coming in. And while I don't think he was all-world like a lot of you know, fans I think expected him to be. I, I've seen a lot of internet chatter about it's about time. This is the guy. He's the best quarterback on the roster. While I wouldn't maybe go that far, I thought he managed the game pretty well. The first quarter was rough. He went through all three timeouts, but um, I think that second half he seemed to kind of settle down and manage the game, you know, pretty darn well and, and made some nice throws. I mean, he and Villeman, the reemergence of Villeman, he caught two key passes. So um, that were those were both big. Well, yeah, and I, I'm, the Marcus McMarion thing, I, I said this last week, and I'll still maintain the same kind of opinion. You know, I, I get people point out his percentages, um, but a good thing to think about, he didn't start two consecutive games last year. It was always a back and forth, so he never got that consistency and rhythm of saying, oh, I played last week, I'm going to play, and I'm going to be the starter this week. He finally has that now because of injury. Um, and I know his stats don't look good at all. It's a hundred-some yards and two picks, I'm interested to see what he does this weekend because Washington State's defense has actually proven to be slightly surprising on ground uh, on the on the rush defense, but where their weakness is is in the pass defense. Yeah, and so exactly. they are the worst passing team in this conference. They're one of the worst in the country when you stack up certain stats. Uh, second week with McMarion as the starter, knowing he was coming in, I want to see if they can get it going through the air at least one of these games in this conference. Yeah, and that's been, you know, Gary Anderson addressed that today is that they need to get, they have to. I mean, they're not even in the right realm here with the passing game. They need to get something going. And so, you know, whether it's, you know, starting with some short passes, you know, I I expect to see them go deep a few times, um, but they'll need to do that because it, it might be tough to pick up yards on the ground. Well, and I'm curious about this, too. Uh, one of the narratives that's picked up around this Oregon State team this year has been a mix for me just as a radio host, and I'm sure it's been a mix for you at Beaver Blitz, um, complaining about the offensive coordinators and complaining about the wide receivers coach. Let's start with the wide res- uh, with the offensive coordinators. Do you feel it's justified criticism, or do you feel people are overreacting in a year where you still don't stack up or have that talent ready to go offensively. Oh, I think it's totally overreaction right now. Um, it's way too early, and and I I heard it brought up yesterday that uh, you know Jonathan Smith up at Washington last year. Oh, people were complaining about him that he had no charisma and he couldn't coach, and now all of a sudden he's a you know offensive coordinating genius. So um, the players need to uh, make some plays there, but. You know, I, I think you give it another year. Um, you know, you brought up something before we came on air about Coach Anderson being on with on the radio show with Souk and Isaac yesterday, mm-hmm. and talking about bringing on an air raid. How? What do you think of that? That okay? So I don't know if people were able to catch that interview, but that blew my mind because we we've heard a lot of quotes from Gary Anderson. He doesn't give you the most futuristic type stuff of what he's thinking. Oh, it's totally vague. Yeah, it's very so vague. Speak. Uh, he hit on the recruiting thing, and, and you've brought this up off the podcast, but I think we might as well throw it on now uh, about how hard he's hitting the recruiting trail right now. He he admittedly said, I consider myself a really aggressive recruiter. I've more than stepped that up from what I normally do, and he's doing that right now. We'll get into recruiting during the podcast because Angie has some really good info on that. 
Um, but then he dove into the the offensive philosophies because he was talking about how he's watched Mike Leach and that offense on tape. And I walked away just like my jaw dropped because he got to a point where he was openly admitting, you know, I, I really like what I'm seeing. That offense impresses me. Uh, and he, I mean, he, said, he actually said, I've been studying. He it. said, I've been studying. Uh, he also said, when you look at the offenses around this country, some of the best offenses run a, some, a similar set. I think there's some real legs to this. I'm not just saying this to, to make headlines or to catch people off guard and, and for wow factor. I really firmly believe he's going to go into this offseason being so incredibly disappointed with his offensive production that he will look into potentially bringing in air raid aspects into his offensive philosophy. Well, and he's shown in his first year he's not afraid just to go blow things up. So, you know, he could bring in, you know, a lot of things. And, you know, Brandon, think about this. Most of these air raid offenses really have no defense. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, my head kind of spins with the thought of a defensive-minded coach in Coach Anderson with an air raid, you know, at least some air raid pieces. Yeah. It could be really fun. No, I'm I'm glad you went there, too. I said I literally said the exact same thing on my radio show today was, you know, you think about the air raid, right? You think Texas Tech, you think Cal, Mike yeah, Leach. You, you, like 70, yeah, you know, 77 yeah. to 69 or whatever yes, the scores were. 50 to 68 or whatever the hell, yeah, the finals are. Those are offensive-minded guys, and they're great offensive minds. Nobody would question that. The problem is their defenses can't stop a nosebleed. You would almost have the reverse here of a defensive-minded coach who's coaching the defensive line himself, basically admitting, "Look, we need to be a little more flashy. We need a little bit, uh, be a little bit more open to the up-tempo, throw-it-around type offense." And you would still trust that he would be better defensively than other guys in the similar position. Now, don't you think that though could also help? I mean, this, I know recruiting is kind of my thing, but there's so many teams running the spread now that mixing it up that that should be able to help him on the recruiting trail. Well, and I, I also just believe like because I my my uh, my wife has a really good friend whose kids in like eighth grade right now, and he's a damn good football player. It won't surprise me at all if he continues to grow. Uh, he becomes one of those names, but he's a big duck fan. And and I've always like been curious, like, did you are you guys like an Oregon family? Like, where did you where'd you get that fandom? And he point blank told me, well, me and my friends are Duck fans. You watch them; they're fun, they're exciting. Yeah, yeah. I firmly believe, not just with eighth graders, I firmly buy into 16, 17, 18 year olds. You want exciting, flashy, fast players? I think Anderson's a hell of a recruiter. But if you want them, you have to look dynamic when they're watching your games on television, not just your one appearance with them when they come to campus. You have to look appealing to these kids. I think they buy into wins. Wins matter the most. But if you're also winning and looking like you're having a ton of fun doing it, I think that really appeals to a lot of playmakers out there. Oh, yeah. And like wide receivers. Look at how well Mike Leach has done recruiting Mm -hmm. up to his system. And, you know, it's Pullman. It's not, you know, some, you know, cosmopolitan city. He's done really well drawing these, especially, like I said, the, the, big-time wide receivers because they want to play in that offense. Well, and I know we talked on the podcast with Dockery about the the whole recruiting thing and, and basically, you, you know, Dockery saying, you know, we just talked about the notion of how hard is it really to recruit, is it or is it not? And, you know, my, my stance was it can be a little easier, but you have to win. Winning matters to people. People who tell me winning doesn't matter, um, BS, go look at the top recruiting classes every single year in college football. The similarities are those programs are the ones winning Football games, you have to be a hell of a salesman, but you can't sell. You can only sell so much until your team is winning 
or putting some points and some yards on the board. And I think right now they just don't have either one of those going for them. So they they still may end up with a good recruiting class. But I think if you want to improve and you want to get to the point where he wants to get and, and going to a Pac-12 title game, you have to do something different because I'm just not sure they have the horses to run that pro style shotgun ish offense that they run. And you know, that was something Riley having his pro style offense, that was a selling point that he used, but to have a 17 year old, 16 year old have the maturity factor to see that that's going to help him get mm-hmm. to the league. It, it's very few and far between. Yeah, the Brandon Cooks of the yes, world. Yes, you don't have a lot of Brandon Cooks out there. I'm glad you no. said that name. That's a great example of very mature kid at a young age. And I mean, he f- told me, I will. I, I think we, I might have talked about it on the podcast before, mm-hmm. but he was a UCLA commit. Yeah. Took a trip to Oregon State. I called him Sunday once he got home, and, and we were talking, and he kind of stopped and kind of hesitated a minute. And I said, what's, you know, and he goes, well, can I tell you something? But you can't tell anybody because I haven't told Coach Neuheisel yet. And I said, okay, what's up? He goes, I committed to Oregon State this weekend. And I said, whoa, okay, well, let's change courses. I'll write the article like mm-hmm. a, a commitment article. I won't post it till you say go, you know, if it's two days from now, whatever. So we start talking, and I said, what made you flip? And he said, look, I've grown up a UCLA fan my entire life. That is my dream school. But I want to be in the NFL, and Oregon State gives me the best opportunity because of the offense they run. Yeah. You know, you don't see a lot of, you know, um, pistol formations in the NFL and mm-hmm. you know I mean he had such maturity at such a young age but 95% of the kids that are being recruited don't yeah and I think that's an important factor is you just don't have that maturity elsewhere the other thing too I'll say this for the because I put it out on Twitter I had a couple of people tweet me no hell no I don't want this to happen uh the best way to win is the way you're playing now I would re- I would refute that and I would respond with when was the last time you had a thousand yard rusher in this program mm-hmm. 2010 yeah. 2010, since you've had a 1,000-yard rusher. If you're running a pro style, you're relying almost 50-50 on running, if not maybe 55-45 running versus pass. If you're not getting a 1,000-yard rusher, you're you're ineffective as an offense. Yeah. And so I know Riley had some good years. He had the 9-4 and season. Uh, second to last, they were 7-6. and six. Those are bowl seasons, and one of those was a great year. Uh, but this whole notion that like it's the only way – I'm sorry. I just I disagree with that. Just because I think it's a little tougher to find those diamond in the rough offensive studs on that on that offensive front. Um, so I love it. I, I think about the talent they have now. Whether Mason Moran's ready or not, yeah, that remains to be seen. But you got the JC kid coming in who's six six, great size, supposed to have a big arm, um, not as mobile as Travis Wilson from Utah, but can move around a little bit and create some space and maybe get four or five yards here and there. Then you got Timmy Hernandez, Paul Lucas, Hunter Jarman, Trevon Bradford, Noga Togiai will be back. You can line him up in a slot situation. You have weapons. And so I just feel like with their system, with the running backs. Um, and nobody says it has to be a no. complete, you know, one way, you know, it has to be a complete raid, air raid attack, but you can incorporate pieces of things into your playbook. You, you don't have to throw it 65 times, no. Angie, but you can go from what you're doing now. I think you're averaging 30 you can up that to like 48. And I love the tempo. I yes. love seeing teams. I mean, that really, really causes confusion for mm-hmm. defensive teams. I mean, look at the team they're playing this weekend. It's a great example, and I think people will be able to see this in person. Watch Mike Leach and Luke Folk's relationship. The, I mean, Mike Leach has a hand card, like a, a play card about as, as wide as his hand. It's <laughs> like, tiny. Yeah, tiny. 
And all he does is he does these funky little hand motions and like he'll do the whole little rascal's thumb on the nose, waving the fingers, yeah, and Luke yeah. Falk will translate that into moose ears to all the receivers. Like I think they literally have, I think I read this, they literally have like nine plays. Yeah. And and so they just they it's so all that, about I mean, it's the defense. Easy for, it's, it's easy for you yes. know, players to learn. Well, and then the whole quarterback thing too, because we got that today on the radio program. Well, who's going to throw it? And Anderson said as much. He said, you know, we got to find those playmakers. We have a history of wide receivers, great playmakers in this university. We've got to hit on those. Of course, we also had to have to hit on the guy that's going to give them the ball. And so I don't think they've quite found that. They're confident maybe in Moran's future, but right now I don't know how confident they are for next season. I would just I I, w- I would say did anybody say uh, see Luke Falk walking into Reeser Stadium three years ago as a redshirt walk on freshman? Yeah, exactly. Nobody I mean, knew a damn thing about him. He came and he torched you, and now look at it. He's leading the program, and they're having a great year. Yeah, it's it, it's not you just need a guy with a big arm and, and a kid that's smart enough to uh, you know be able to read defense and, and do it. So um, no, I, I you know Mason Rand I think is making great progress, but again he's a true freshman, mm-hmm. so. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Aiden Willard will be coming in um, in the in the summer as well. He's been the commit, and then you have the the JUCO in Luton. So, you know, I I want to ask you too. Um, so forgive me on this one, listeners, for not knowing this at the top of my head. I'm kind of having a uh, brain fart right now. What point, if at all, do they officially announce Moran is a red shirt? Does it just go through the whole year not playing in that? Yeah, counts? Just, it'll just yeah. I okay. Mean, It'll um, as long as he doesn't play. So, like game eleven, they wouldn't say, "Well, he hasn't played. He's officially a red shirt." They would just say, "He didn't play all year, so that's a red shirt." Yep, that okay. would be utilizing his red shirt year. Okay, I just wanted to, I just wanted to make sure. I thought that in my head, but I wasn't one hundred percent sure. Um, from the offensive coordinator standpoint, though, if we're talking about that kind of offense, the other position that would leave people nervous, and and rightfully so, based on how the performance has been this year, I think would be wide receiver. That's been really a point of contention for some Oregon State fans that have reached out to me. I don't know if you get that uh, in the Lodge of Beaver Blitz or on Twitter, etc. A lot of people are really disappointed. In fact, I said this statement. I think the wide receiver group has been far and away the most disappointing position group on this team this year. And I think when you say air raid, you're going to be getting a lot of uh, ball opportunities. Do you trust this group? to improve next year based on what we saw this year for a group we thought was going to be pretty impressive. I do. I, you know, and this has come up on Beaver Blitz. There's been a lot of, of talk about it. Um, you know, first of all, Coach Brennan is like one of the best recruiters on staff. So, you know, he's, he's shown great, great things. Coach Baldwin, actually, you know, the Beavers are in the mix for four-star wide receiver Isaiah Hodgins because of Coach Baldwin. So, um, you know, and I know there was some concern there with, you know, him changing from offensive coordinator to wide receiver coach. But um, the, the biggest thing, and, I, and I, I don't remember which publication, so here I am not citing, and we talked about that a few <laughs> years ago, or a few, few weeks ago. Uh, but um, there was an article that came out, and it might have been Pac-12 Network that uh-huh. did it, um, but it was, it was an anonymous interview with all the Pac-12 coaches, asking them about all the opponents. Mm-hmm. And the thing that stood out to me on that interview were several Pac-12 coaches said Oregon State's wide receivers just didn't scare them. They don't have the speed. So, but aside from Victor Bolden, think about it. Yeah. There's really not a deep threat on that roster. Which is, uh, I think, a little disappointing because, one, Villeman, even though he might not be the fastest guy, you thought a lot of jump ball situations, his size, he's like 6'4", almost 6'5". You thought that would benefit them. Um, the other thing, too, is kind of the freshman. Like, Paul Lucas has been put in at tailback once in a while. I expected him to kind of be a speedster guy. Trevon Bradford, I don't know what the deal is with him. 
but we haven't really seen him at all this year. Yeah, yeah. So I'm curious if he's not picking up the playbook as quickly as maybe some thought he would since he was going to play. Um, but he's supposed to have some speed too, isn't he? Yeah, he has some speed. And, you know, the thing with Lucas, and I said this and he said, she said, it was like our it's our Monday morning quarterback piece we do. My my biggest thing with Paul Lucas is he's a sprinter. He's fast as hell. Mm-hmm. But I don't know where you put him because, you know, they had him at wide receiver a little bit. They kind of experimented, but they moved him immediately back to running back. Mm-hmm. But he's not that type of running back that can, like, bust holes. He, you know, he, he goes down easily with contact. So they need to figure out a, a different way to get him the ball because if you can get him like to the sideline, look out. Yeah, no. but he's not quite, you know, as tough of a runner maybe as Victor Bolden. And well, I'll say he, that he still and needs my to husband, add size you know, though too. Talks about Victor, you know, how he can go down. But um, yeah, no, I mean he's a sprinter, and but I, I've just been—I don't know if disappointed is the word, but I, I guess I'm frustrated because. Where do you put him? Is you know, is he a receiver? Is he a running back? They keep trying him at running back, but I haven't liked that experiment. Well, if you're really like the fa- if you're one of the fastest guys on the team, like, do you think he's faster than Bolden? No, I the the talk of the team is that Dwayne Williams and Victor Bolden are the two fastest guys on the okay, team. Okay, so but next year he potentially could be. He could be, yes. So if you're in that position and you have that speed, um, and you're that kind of player, why would you not use him like DeAnthony then? Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. kind of the reverse, the fly sweep, the slot wide receiver where you get the ball out to him uh, really quick and see really if quick. you get a block and you can make just like one guy miss and boom, you're gone. I think they need to figure that one out. I, I just think when I say most disappointing, just there's too many drops. I mean, this yeah. is not a group that should be dropping footballs. Victor Bolden's been inconsistent. Jordan Villeman's been far and away the most disappointing player, I think, of people's expectations on this team. And the reason I, another reason I say is you have two coaches coaching that position group. Now, they may be great recruiters, which is great. Um, as I say, great and great there. But I just, come on, you got two guys coaching one position group one position and group. you have all those drops. I'm not saying you fire anybody. So don't, I hope people don't take that the wrong way, but you can't have this. I'm no. sorry. You're, you're paying two guys six figures to coach one position group. And they've been the most inconsistent of but any other group. At what point then do you put the blame though on the kids? Well, that here's the tough part, Angie. I always I feel tough. like we put it on the kids. Like you ultimately yeah. have to go out and make the plays, right? And you could say that for almost any coach in college football that gets fired or struggles. But my problem with that is ultimately you are the one that makes six figures. So whether yeah. it's your fault or not, I used to hear this with um, with a defensive coordinator who was at USC. And now he's at Wisconsin. I used to hear this a lot behind the scenes of, you know, he would practice those plays with those kids like nine to ten times a game. He said, watch out for the double reverse pass. And they literally ran it like nine to ten times per practice. Mm -hmm. And then they'd go into the game and the team would run a double reverse pass and the guy would be open for 25 yards. In theory, that's on the kids. They're not executing. They're not not being mindful of what they worked on all week. Uh, They're not recognizing the sets. But ultimately, guess who the fall guy is? It's the guy that goes and makes like $650,000 a year. Same thing with the two coaches. Yeah, yeah. Brent, Brent, no, I... Brennan's a great guy. Baldwin seems like a good guy. But when you're making six figures, like, the buck stops with you. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I get it. And that's, you know, I I was talking to a parent the other day about it. And, and I said, not about receiver coaches in general, but just coaches. And that's one thing I'm beaver with. I try not to really badmouth kids. 
I mean, they're kids. They're trying their hardest. Well, and it's There's tough, too, because on. you have your site's different in the sense of you have parents legitimately checking this thing probably every other day, or if not every day, to <laughs> like hear a or see. Times a day. Yeah, well, no, <laughs> you're right. To see and hear things about their kid, yeah. they log on, and let's say the conversation is, man, how terrible is Timmy Hernandez? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like they, they're just going to get pissed off. They're going to write emails. They're going to talk to their kid about not wanting to be there anymore. Like it just, le- it, it's almost salt and wound. So for your position, uh, I don't envy the you position, there. The position, it's, it's been interesting too, because I've done it long enough. You know, this, this happened probably six years ago. There was a DB that had a really, really bad game. I mean, mm-hmm. horrendously bad. Can you drop a name? I can't. What? But, um, I can't even remember who the name Wait, was. Wait, six right years now. ago. Let's. Oh six, man, seven. I don't remember. I'm thinking about this one now. But the kid had an awful game, and Brandon Harden. Actually, mom <laughs> emailed me and said, "Hey, I, you know, I know my son had an awful game, but just so you know, and I, you know, I don't. I think girlfriend had broken up with him that week, and uh-huh. grandpa was sick in the hospital or something. You know, so yeah. she's like, and he had a bunch of tests. It was midterm time, and she's like, I'm not trying to make excuses, but just a little background knowledge. So, you know, I think. There's always that, too. These are college kids, and we all made stupid choices in college sometimes, and or we have things going on in our personal life yeah. that may trans, you know, transfer over. Well, coaches, too. But um, anyway, no, it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic, and like I said, we've heard it on Blitz, too, the wide receivers, and, you know, at what point, you know, do you change the method of teaching? Because it's obviously not, you know, whether it's catching balls or, you know, what do you do? By the way, that mom's not wrong. Uh, I've seen this in pro sports, and this was like the worst kept secret, but it never was a story. The last year of Nick Batum in Portland, uh, before he went on to Charlotte for the Blazers, his last year, he had a terrible year statistically. Like he had one of his worst years, and people were pissed. They're like, "Dude, you're the nine, you're the nine to eleven million dollar guy a year um, with the old salary cap. You shouldn't be playing like this. You'd be playing like as one of the best players on the on the team." Well, what people didn't know about or weren't as aware about was he was going through a divorce in which he helped a woman come over to the States to become a citizen, and then she divorced him and tried to take half his money. So, I mean, stories like that, and you, you talk about the the sighting of a DB, stories yeah. like that don't get reported nearly enough of, we yeah. always forget. But they're, um, they're people. Yeah, they're people, yeah. And, and some guys can rise above it. Some athletes play better with that stuff. And other guys respond differently. I don't think we should be the ones to necessarily judge. You know, I always remember the the one of the last years of Craig Robinson, Oregon State's team that won, I think, 21 games, counting the CBI stuff. You know, that was a damn good basketball team that probably should have went to the, the tournament, but they had a crucial non-conference loss to Idaho at home same night that Fred Thompson died. And Fred Thompson's, one of his best friends on campus was Jared Cunningham. Yeah. And whether right or wrong, Jared Cunningham couldn't, he played like absolute dog crap and he couldn't get it together because he's grieving the loss of one of his best friends. I'm not going to blame the kid for that, but sometimes yeah. you deal with those circumstances. Yeah, that was, well, that brought about a whole nother set of memories. Yeah. I've been doing this a long time. I, yeah, I know. Yeah, when you said six, seven years at DB, I started thinking of like the I know, Keenan, Keenan Lewis, the Brandon Hardens of the world. I can't remember who, I can't, that's <clears> why I wouldn't, I mean, I maybe next week I'll figure out what parent it was, but um, I can't remember right now. Hmm. But yeah, well, it was, I mean, it was interesting. You know, it was like an eye-opening thing that I've never forgotten just because of, you know, the situation and, you know, and, you know, they're like, I don't expect you to go out and say so, but I've always kept that in my back pocket. You know, when people start really ripping on kids, I'm like, just remember, you know. They could be going through things. They might have um, flunked the midterm. 
How do you feel about this matchup this weekend? I saw Kerry Eggers, um, who's really good at what he does. He's predicting an upset. He thinks Oregon State wins 29-28. How do you feel? Um, you know, I had to do an Ask the Expert feature for um, Kook Fan, which is the Scout Washington State site. And, of course, they, they for their prediction, gave me a 41-21 Kook victory. And That's I, pretty I reasonable, though. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's – but I just – I actually went a field goal that Cougars – and I wow. almost picked them upset as well, but um, I, I think I said 31-28. Uh, so pretty close to carry. I, I just think this team is going to fight. I think it's at home. It's homecoming. It should be a good crowd. It's night. It's a night game. So, um, you know, it gets a little rowdy in there and a good Northwest rivalry. Uh, stranger things have happened. Oh, no, no doubt. We've and, seen and way like we've stranger talked things. About, it's too hard. To, it's so hard. You can't predict this team right now. No. Yeah, they could either lie, out, lie down and not show up in the first half and get steamrolled. And then, you know, I'll say this right now. Let me just put this on podcast. If they come out and they get absolutely steamrolled and they look like crap, I I really, just for this week, I don't want to hear about how, you know, they fought in the second half. I don't want to hear that for this yeah. week. Like, stop coming out in home games and looking just not ready to play. I hate that. Like, Washington in Seattle, I get it. Boise State, a top 15 team, I get it. Washington State's on a good roll. They're a really good football team, so don't take anything lightly, but... Come on, come out at home, show some fight. If, you, if you're down 21-0 at half, there can be a difference between being down 21-0 and being down 21-0. How much did you fight? How much did you show versus how much did you just come out, three and out, defense gives up, big play, big play, boom, 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 and just roll over in the first half? I think there's a difference there for me. Total difference. And also, you, um, you just dropped a good crowd. You think there's going to be a good crowd for almost an 8 o'clock kickoff game? Well, homecoming. I, I mean, you'd think that. I don't think that you, means you think, anything for adults, you know? though. Okay. I mean, has it has it meant anything for you since you graduated? No, but I'm always working. Yeah. I've always had to be there to work. But if if you weren't working, I mean, I know you would probably go to the games anyway because your family, you guys love Oregon State. But you know, I just don't know if homecoming yeah, is like I, a I, res- yeah, it resonates with people the yeah. same way. You know, it's old. I'm old. Yeah, I'm just hoping. I'm hoping for a better crowd. The students should be should be rowdy. The students should be borderline wasted and all be there. I mean, I'll I'll just throw that out there right now. The damn section should be packed with kids, and they should be fired up. They should be fired up. This is a big opportunity, and I, I like that people are going close in the prediction. Um, Wait, okay, what's your prediction? I mean, I I I think it's pretty reasonable to say forty-one twenty-one, given the offense Wazoo has. The rush defense is good. Oregon State's passing game's been suspect. I'll go a little closer. I'll go I'll go 45 20. Ah, see actually I'm going 20 point win there too. Yeah. I feel like it could be close. I don't know what my score prediction would I know. be. No, see that's it. It's too difficult to predict this team. I'll say Wazoo by 10. Okay. I I, I think a 10 score a 10 point uh win. I I could see that. I I see a similar effort to what they did against Cal. But I think Wazoo is night and day better than Cal. I do. I think they're rolling right now. The, the experience of Falk, I don't think weather's going to be a factor for them. They're, they play in Pullman, Washington, for God's sakes. They get yeah. snow. So I think they'll be okay there. But we've seen weird things at Reeser in night games happen. I think back to the ASU game, which mm-hmm. was their last conference win before the Cal one. Yeah, and a couple SC games. Yeah, the SC games, no doubt. So Do we want to do some damn questions, or do we want to talk recruiting first? Um. 
Let's do some recruiting real quick, and then we'll finish with damn questions. Okay, so big weekend. First of all, Oregon State picked up a commit. If you guys didn't hear, um, Jeffrey Manning, a cornerback out of uh, Southern California, Los Angeles Cathedral, uh, committed this weekend. So he was a former UCLA commit, um, opened things back up this summer and visited um, a couple weeks ago and uh, went home and just committed on Monday. So the timing was right. He's very well-respected corner, play safety or corner. I think actually Oregon State wants him as a safety right now, but he could play both. So um, a big pickup for the Beavers. He's a three-star kid, right? Three-star, three-star kid. So this weekend, um, another safety. And before, I I know a ton of our listeners probably, like Brandon and I, watch it, or I'm still watching. I haven't finished the season yet. But Last last Chance You, the Chronicles East Mississippi. The Netflix docuseries, yeah. So um, four-star safety. Brian Cole, who attends um, East Mississippi, is visiting this weekend. and Huge, huge opportunity for Oregon State. He would come in and probably play right now. Um, Originally signed with Michigan, but Coach Anderson had built that relationship with him as a recruit when he was at Wisconsin. And the kid is kept in touch, loves Coach Anderson and his honesty, and is super, super jacked to come out and uh, check out Oregon State. In fact, our uh, recruiting caller Adam, a recruiting writer, he called him yesterday and he, I, the kid must have just saw, you know, 503 area code and picked up the phone. Hey coach, I'm so excited to get out there. And he's <laughs> going, and then he stopped and he goes, wait a minute, who is this? And Adam's like, it's Adam and with, with scout.com. And, <laughs> and uh, the kid goes, oh, we're, I'm sorry, we're on a walkthrough and coach will kill me if he knows I'm talk, not talking to a coach. So I got to go. I'll talk to you later. So, <laughs> but the kid was super story. excited and, yeah. um, I, you know, could see him committing and being a beef. So, can I, can I interrupt real quick before you uh, finish off the guys who are going to come this weekend? Sure. So let's say they're able to nab that kid. He loves Anderson, right? Yeah. So there's a former Michigan player. Boom. We know the talent there. Um, I don't know the update on Craig Evans, the JUCO kid. I still say he's a beef. I okay. say he will be a beef. Okay. And then let's add in the intrigue about Isaiah Hodgins, the four-star wide receiver. Yeah. Would that be like... Incredible. I mean, is this, like, are we looking at a thing, realistically, are we looking at a situation where if you mix in the right JUCO guys with the youth that's playing this year, when Gary Anderson said this thing's not as far away as people think, are you starting to kind of buy into that a little more than maybe you even were with what you're seeing right now? Yeah, definitely, especially with the heavy JUCO. Um, You know, and then the Beavers are still in the running for four-star, another four-star wide receiver in Jameer Calvin, who is actually teammates with Jeffrey Manning, the new commit, and then Eric's Flemings. Both from Cathedral. They're God, I hope Cathedral. they recruit that kid. Oh yeah, no, they're they're on him. So um, this weekend will be really big for Isaiah Hodgins because he's tripping to Oregon, and for a while that was thought to be one of he had, you know originally had committed to Washington State, uh, and now opened it up. At, Oregon was kind of thought to be his leader, but with the train wreck going on there, yeah, um, he's kind of backing off that a little bit. So um, this will be a big weekend for him. So we're rooting and, for ASU then. Rooting for ASU, I guess. You know. <laughs> but um, no, Brian Cole will be a hu- would be a huge, huge get. Um, the Beavs also, I know there's a ton of people out there that keep asking about offensive linemen. So uh, they're bringing in three-star O-lineman Mo Unutoa out of uh, Kapa'a in Kauai. And then two commits will be coming in, in three-star Isaiah Miller from Florida and two-star cornerback Justin Gardner from Georgia. So, nice. Um, a nice group of four. I know there were some rumors going around that a group from another Jones County Junior College in Mississippi were going to be coming out. They're not this weekend. And I know we've talked about in the past, but, you know, there had been a talk about Craig Evans and bringing his big, this uh, four-star DB with him. 
And I checked in with him yesterday, and uh, he said that he is not does not look like he's taking a trip to Oregon State. So um, I don't see the Beavers really completely in the mix for Keyshawn Nixon. So you don't think it's going to be a package deal, which I think I we don't. originally thought was going to but be you a know, possibility. That kid has been like all over the place. Uh-huh. Um, you know, he really, I think, likes the social media chatter. So yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he posts a picture one day of him and Craig Evans holding up Beaver stuff. And what do you think? Package deal. <laughs> yeah, and how much of that do you me, think was for uh, yeah, the I'm not visiting. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not holding my breath on that one, but Craig Evans is still very much in the mix. And uh, like I said, Brian Cole. So those two right there. And then, yeah, you throw in a, a four star in Hodgins or Jamiri. There's some, some big things there. Yeah. I would, um, I think with that kid and you see this a lot with uh, recruiting. I think a lot of these kids, they, they do the whole, let's hold up the Oregon State gloves and make the diamond and make the beaver. Let's do the shirt. And then let's put like a cute caption of, what you thinking, damn? What you thinking, damn city? What you thinking, Corvallis? I think they do a lot of that BS for the retweets because they oh, yeah. know if one person gets it, like let's say Blitz does it, right? They see a tweet and you guys retweet it. I mean, your guys' followers are through the roof. Everybody that follows you cares, I mean, deeply about recruiting. Boom. There's going to be like three to 400 retweets and, you know, like a thousand likes. And it's like, oh, I wonder how committed this kid. This kid just takes the stuff off after the picture. It's like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, some of these kids fall into that trap a little I, bit. I don't think I'm going to take a trip to Oregon State. I was like, oh, um, okay. Um, I did want to ask about the Manning kid, the three-star DB. How much of his commitment to Oregon State from UCLA has to do with Jim Mora being a red ass <laughs> and just not a likable guy, not I a likable guy? I did not ask him that. But, um, you know, I think some of these kids are starting to maybe look around at, you know, these, some of these coaches are on the hot seat. Yeah, Mora would be one. Um, Helfrich is one. Yep. You know, there are some guys that may not have jobs at that university. So they always say commit to the school, not the coach. Easier said than done. <laughs> it is. It's easy. I mean, look at these two that are coming back that had relationships with Anderson. Yeah. Those, those relationships are huge. And like we alluded to earlier, Anderson is taking a huge, huge uh, step in recruiting. I think we mentioned it last week, but I mean, he's leading the charge. And, you know, typically, you know, you'll see, you'll see assistants reaching out and calling these kids, but it's Anderson. We talk to these recruits mm-hmm. every single day and, you wouldn't even believe how many of them talk about Coach A. They're not saying, oh, you know, my, the position coach called me or my area recruiter called me. It was Coach Anderson called and blah, 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 blah. Which is, I, I think, just that means the world to a lot of these kids. Of like, damn, the head coach called me. I'm, I'm a tour. I'm a three-star athlete. And that shows you how bad he wants me. Uh, he did kind of allude to that, as I mentioned, of just how he's hitting the, the, the recruiting trail even harder. You know another tidbit that kind of blew my mind, but I shouldn't be surprised by it because it's college athletics? He was like, you know what we're noticing on this recruiting trail is we're going against, you know, some of the rival Pac-12 schools. We're going against Big Ten, Big 12 with some of these kids. Um, and he says the thing he notices is it's the littlest things that that are just the difference. And what he meant by that was he was like, you wouldn't believe that, like, some of these kids take visits to these universities and their parents will come out. The coaches don't even meet their parents. Like, the head coach won't even talk to the parents and he's like, we've noticed just like I go to a high school game in this place or that place, and I'll talk to their parents for five minutes. And it just, that is the world to them that the head yeah. coach of a program is willing to do that. 
Yeah, I mean, it's huge. Uh, you know, Brandon Peely, the big D tackle uh, from Westview in Portland, came to visit Oregon State last, the last home game. And, I mean, his whole family came. Mm-hmm. Like, brothers and sisters, like, little brothers and sisters from I'm glad, too. I, li- I like that. And so, I mean, that was important. And, you know, they... When we talked to him, he said, yeah, it was a little crazy, you know, my, but my, my little brothers and sisters had a blast in the players' lounge, and, you know, so, but I think that's an important part of what Oregon State is, and it was under Riley, it was under Erickson, it's that family atmosphere, and that's just kind of the way it is. I mean, we see it, you know, the, the coaches have these guys, their position groups over for birthday dinners, you mm-hmm. know, and their wives make their favorite birthday desserts, and, you know, as a parent, you're like, oh, that's cool, they're getting taken care of, even when, you know, I'm not there to bake them a cake or, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, Anderson has them over for, for meals, and they're able to do that because a lot of places, they can't. U- USC coaches can't have the kids to their house. They live, you know, an hour away. Yeah, yeah. So, um, no, it's, it's a, it is the little things, and the head coach talking to the parents, and the head coach, you know, reaching out and calling the kid. All right, anything else in recruiting for the weekend? Uh, no, I think that's good. Perfect. I think that uh, gets you guys caught up. But seriously, Beaver Blitz has, we do this every day, all day long. Yep, so go to beaverblitz.com, become a member, and join the conversation every day and get the latest updates on Oregon State recruiting. Let's do some damn, damn questions. questions. And by the way, I do want to add in, I've, I have, this is really on me, flat out just been lazy the last two weeks. I've meant to get some kind of like background music here. Um, I kind of want to put something into the podcast. Well, maybe we do okay. uh, damn questions. We do some music or something. Um, so look for that next week. I'll be a little more proactive. Get the music bed ready. Um, because when I edit this thing, I got to bounce from work because I'm at work right now at the 1080 The Fan Studios. I got to bounce from here straight to my daughter's swim class on Thursdays. So I try to like do as quick editing as I possibly can to post this thing for you guys. Um, I'll have the, mu- uh, the music bed ready to go, and it'd be a quick add-in for the podcast. Good. And then, and I'll throw out there too. You know, Brandon and I do this, um, and we don't have any sponsors right now. No. If anybody wants to give us a sponsorship, yep. Reach out to Brandon and myself, and we'll we'll uh, talk about your business. We can do a quick spot. Yep. Um, we we do a lot. We get quite a few hits, and we'd be happy to share that info with you if you have a small business that you want to to get out to Beaver fans. But yes. I'll throw that out there too. Yeah, if you're a small business and you're looking for over, I want to say. Let's see, one, two, three. I'm trying to think of like a four-day span here. I'm trying to average our listens out through a four-day span. It just it's a way we do things in radio too. Um, if you count iTunes and our SoundCloud, which which are the two places you can find our podcast, you can subscribe to both uh, on both those mediums. You're looking at well over 2,500 unique listens every single week. So we appreciate everybody that's been listening. And if you're interested in reaching those kinds of numbers for people for a small business, you invest some money. We'd love to have your business on here. Pub the company. Be 100% behind it and uh, have you be a part of our damn podcast. Be fun. So let's do a couple damn questions. All I right. have Beaver Barth on Beaver Blitz. And actually, that's Adam. He's our, our recruiting, uh, our recruiting uh, analyst. He wants to know who we consider the cornerstone athletes of this 2017 class as it stands right now. Ooh. Um. I think that's a tough one because it's not finished yet. But, True. Uh, Who are you going with? Got anybody? Who would you go with? I, I would go on a couple, actually. I, I, I think Dave, uh, not David, um, David Morris out of Sherwood. Okay. I, I think he's... You think he's the cornerstone I of the whole he's class, the cornerstone. huh? cornerstone. Um, and then, 
I mean, yeah, I think he's going to come in and really do some big things. I want to go a JUCO kid because he's they're instantly going to play next year for sure. Yeah, but we need to get some of the but if you go a couple JUCOs, but not yeah. Jeffrey Manning could be big, but yeah, right now I've kind of David Morris is kind of the uh, I think highlight of the class. I love Colby Taylor, the wide receiver out of uh, Chandler. I've read a little bit about him. I like what I've seen on video because I've I've looked some of these kids up and I try to watch some of their highlight films just to kind of get a vibe of what kind of player maybe they are. I liked him, and it's the Chandler pipeline. That's a pretty consistent pipeline for Oregon State. Quantino Allen is a complete stud. I just don't know if he remains committed. He's going to be a battle right to the end. The other hard part for me, too, is like, and I've, I've admitted this time and time again, like you're the recruiting guru on this podcast. Half these kids I probably am not familiar with till like recruiting day. And then I go into a vortex for like three, four days where I get pulled out of a dark broom closet by my wife and she goes, what are you doing? And I'm like watching high school kids play football. <laughs> <laughs> and so I don't really have as good a feel. So I'll just openly admit it. I'm a moron and uh, I'll just trust what Angie says thus far, but I'll wait for the class to finish. Yeah, too. Wait, let's wait till the class finishes. I have Coach Morrow OSU. This is similar to kind of what we've talked about, but with the initial two-year contracts for assistance coming up at the end of the year, what are the chances that we see more coaching movement? Mm, I'm, I'm curious about I think that's a great question because I think this goes back to the air raid stuff. I, I'm not saying he's going to let go or, or move on, um, but he also doesn't sound very encouraged or enthusiastic about his offense at all. And I, you can say talent, lack thereof, or uh, experience or injuries. He's not a guy that uses excuses for anything. So I, I think he's incredibly disappointed with his offense. Um, I don't know if that leads to any changes, but if it does, not going to surprise me in the least based off his recent comments. And, and here's another good one, totally changing direction, but I like it. Q Beaver um, on Blitz says, um, do you see us getting out of the Ohio State game in 2018 and playing a team in our recruiting areas, such as Florida, Texas, Georgia, et cetera? I know Coach Anderson has a different scheduling philosophy than other coaches in the past. Mm. Oh, what do you think about that? That's a great question. I, I would do it in a heartbeat if they could do that. Um, and I know Anderson has kind of talked about trying to keep things, you know, more relevant. I mean, so how, get out, get out of the going get out to of Columbus. Georgia, yeah. What about what about like a Georgia Tech? What about a Florida? A Florida. Go to Gainesville. I mean, that's equally as because you got the other thing you have to think about too here is, and this is a tiny angle of it. Um, Recruiting is the big one. The tiny angle is also being appealing to your fans and trying to make some money. Yeah, yeah. You have to go to a venue like Florida, like Ohio State. They would probably get steamrolled because Urban Meyer's that good. But how many people want to go to that game? That's like a bucket list. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Texas. Oh God, Austin is so nice. For anybody who hasn't been to Austin, you got to make that a, a destination. I've always wanted to go to Gainesville. So I mean, I I do think it's something that gets looked at. Honestly, that would be really interesting. Maybe even Athens. Go to Georgia. Yeah, go to Georgia. I mean, and then it not only it, not only is it good for recruiting because you get visibility down in those areas, you also get to take the guys back. You get to take all those guys from Florida back home. How you much know, so money would you make at that at a different place versus what you're going to get from the Buckeyes, though? Yeah, I don't. What yeah. are they? Are they paying? What are they paying? A million? Probably about a million dollars. I mean, that's what sucks is you're you're getting money to maybe get your butt kicked, but. That matters to a program like Oregon State. That's why. Does it though? Eh, I, I mean, mean it, it's not the biggest thing for them, but it does. I mean, it's a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. Um, how about we'll just go with one more here because I think we're getting short on time. Okay. Black Bandit says, with Artavis 
back being healthy and with the emergence of Tim Cook and what he was able to do against the Huskies, how do the offensive coaches make sure that they are taking advantage of the players that are performing? Well, that's a good question. Mm. Yeah, how do you how do you share those carries? I think you you, you I think you divvy them up kind of how you would assuming Art Pierce didn't miss a game. Um, yeah. I know that might not be fair to Tim Cook given what he just did, but I, I mean Art Pierce was he was rolling too. He was playing really good football till that injury, uh, and I like the way the kid's running. He's going to be in your program longer, and I know that's not that's also not fair to uh, to Tim Cook, but I'd rather lean more with giving pierce the carries and have him coming back but if his injuries if his if he's still not like a hundred percent let's say he's like 80 i think maybe you lean cook in those situations but if he's truly feeling great i think you go back to giving pierce the more carries than cook okay so here's a question let's say this is me being hypothetical ryan nall is like 90 Mm percent do you play him this week or do you rest him until the next let him rest till he's 100 who do they play next week I forget. They play Stanford. You play him. Okay. <laughs> you play him this week. And Stanford has struggled this year. They're still 4-3, and three and they still have a good defensive front. Uh, if Ryan Nall is 90%, you play him. Ryan Nall okay. is still one of the better talented running backs they have on the, in this program. Um, and look, this is not like a – you don't have to take anything from Tim Cook, but, I mean, I think Art Pierce or Ryan Nall could have had a 100-yard game if they were able to play in the UW game. But they couldn't. Give credit to Tim Cook. But um, there's a reason he was third on that depth chart, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's how I would divvy it up. Good questions. Yeah, great questions, as always, on the damn podcast. Maybe we, we holster a couple of those questions yeah, if they're I'll good. Go, I'll go back to Twitter and, and grab some. We, okay. we gave uh, Blitz members a little extra time this week, and so we got quite a few. So I'll grab some of those. And I tell you what, we'll, we'll tweet out. I'll tweet out at Brandon Sprague and at Angie Machado one. We'll tweet out for questions on Wednesday now every week instead of Thursday day of give you 24 hours to stew on something if you have a question you want answered here. And next week, I promise you, uh, if it's a close game, great. We'll talk a lot about it. If it's a blowout, we'll probably talk a little disappointment, maybe a recruiting update on how some of the kids felt about their visits. But we'll we'll try to answer all the damn questions we get next week. And we had a few we didn't get to because of time constraints, uh, but we'll try to get to all of them next week. Does that Perfect. sound good? Perfect. All right, anything else you want to plug? No, I, it's great. Oh, we do have a plug, actually, a special right now at Beaver Blitz. If you are new and sign up for an annual subscription, uh, you will also enjoy a one-year subscription to Sports Illustrated. That's a hell of a deal. I know. Wow. $99 for Beaver Blitz, and then you get a $39 value of Sports SI. There we go. Good stuff. Um, I would maintain go drink coffee on Saturday so you don't fall asleep. It's going to be late. Yeah. You're going to get out of there like 1130 to a 12. You're probably going to get home at like 230. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but enjoy the game, okay? You too. All right. We'll see what Oregon State does against the Washington State Cougars. Thank you to everybody for the damn podcast questions um, and for listening to the damn podcast. Subscribe us. Give us five stars on iTunes. If you're not going to give us five stars, give us four. We won't take anything less. Please don't give us like a two-star rating. That would really suck. Uh, Thank you to everybody once again on Twitter, at Brandon Sprague, at Angie Machado One. Go to BeaverBlitz.com and check out my radio show, 12 to 3 on 1080 The Fan. We're back next week with another edition of the damn podcast.